Hey y'all, welcome back to Elevated Perspectives podcast. I have a super special one for you today. So um, when Justin and I were first trying to figure out how exactly we could be a nomadic family, we came across Fro Family Travels. And today I get to sit down in a very full circle moment and full circle conversation with Shanique Gordon of Fro Family uh, Travels. So this is super exciting. We get to talk about everything from um, how she and her husband, AJ, cleared over $20,000 in debt, uh, passive income streams, giving birth in Mexico, and what it's like to just be a nomadic mom out here raising free babies. Um, So this one's super exciting. I think it's actually going to be broken down into two parts because we got to talking as friends do. Um, But I really hope that you enjoy this. Make sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, do all the things, and go follow Shanique and her family so that y'all can keep up with that and get some good information on passive income streams. You don't have to in Mexico anymore. You are good. You are. Y'all are, so tell me, y'all are, Amal's a citizen. He's a Mexican citizen. He's a Mexican citizen. I love it, man. (laughs) So I'll tell you, I've actually said this, I've said this a lot recently. I wanted to have Whitley in Mexico. I told you. You did. It was like you and like two or three other like travel expat moms. You were like, do it, do it, do it. And I'm like, Justin, we have to have him. And he's like, Absolutely not. And I'm like, but my mom friend said, and he's just like, absolutely not. And now every chance I get, I'm just like, she could have been Mexican. And he's just like, well, she's not. And I'm like, she could have been. She could have been. It's a big decision. It's it's huge. I get it. We had, I think because we had her at home, though somewhere in my head too, I'm like, it would have been the same thing. It just would have been the same. It would have been a different living room, babe. Like, it would have been the same thing. I don't know. But he had, I don't know. We didn't, which is fine anyway. But I have the the tiniest bit of saltiness over it. it. (laughs) I know. Every time I say that, I think it's going to be a joke. And then I hear that I'm still like, a little salty about it which is again he's gonna edit this out because he thinks I'm ridiculous but um okay so y'all had a mall in Mexico Mm -hmm. that's exciting so what I'm I'm curious about okay let me lean in I'm curious about several aspects of this because you've birthed in two very different countries Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna assume you had like an institutional or a, a hospital birth with Tashi. Yeah, um, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I know yes. with the mall, yeah. that's like a whole story. Exactly, yeah. But both of them were, but yes. You, oh, they both were. They both were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were like, Very not going to make it easy on you. Very dramatic. I had dramatic births too. We'll have to do this after, because I swear both of my kids were like, I thought with Xavier, I was like, there's no way this could be more dramatic and inconvenient. And then Whitley came, and I was like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> sibling rivalry started earlier. Um, Okay, but talk to us a little bit. So what, what is that like? Like just birthing in different places. And then I'm sure people had a lot to say about you, or maybe they didn't, about you having them all in Mexico. Like what did that kind of decision-making process look like? Um, so we were in Ghana when I found out that I was pregnant. And the first... We had actually thought that we might make Ghana the base. Mm. So that was the thing. In our head... Ghana was going to be the base. Yeah. We had a lot of challenges in Ghana that made us second think of that. And we were like, um, actually. And then I found out I was pregnant. And it was like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, this isn't where we're supposed to be. Mm. Um, because, I don't know, we both 
knew that this baby was not going to be born in London. Mm-hmm. I can't say specifically why, but it just felt like, no, we're not... I don't, I don't want... We don't have a desire to remain in London. Right. So it was just not really an option for us. I think our family did say, okay, so when are you coming back? And we were like, <laughs> coming back? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. It was never an option for us. Hmm. For us, the only thing was, where do we give birth? Where do we have this baby? Um, we did consider, because at this point, we were very much felt, obligated to the continent to being in Africa Mm. Um, we were like "Mm, it'd be amazing to give birth in the motherland Um, but then I was like why why do we feel we have to be here why we there's this there's this struggle there's also this struggle that's happening that a lot I feel like a lot of the the diaspora feel like they have to make this pilgrimage to Africa which I admire anyone that does, and if that's what they want to do. But I, I'm not really a fan of this obligation, like we feel we have to be in Africa anymore. I felt it, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why we did go to Ghana, but then we, we let that go ultimately, and we were like, there's a lot of challenges. There's a lot of challenges that come with wherever you choose to live, yeah. to be honest. A different set of challenges that we felt when we were in the motherland um, and we felt that that was kind of holding us there so we were looking at countries um, in Africa originally and we were looking at countries that would that give birthright citizenship mm-hmm. so that would automatically make our baby a citizen of that country automatically by being born there and there are a number in Africa that allow that um, but then we were like, no, then we have to, if we do that, Ghana and Morocco were the only tra- um, countries that we'd lived in at that point. And we were like, if, and, and you, you don't get birthright citizenship in Ghana. Hmm. And we were hmm. like, if we do that, we have to get used to a new country. I am not, and I had a very difficult um, pregnancy with Amal. I, hmm. was, I had morning sickness pretty much right throughout my whole pregnancy. Ugh, Literally, like physically being sick. Um, and I was like, I need things to be as easy as possible mm-hmm. because this has not been easy. Um, that's not going to happen if we have to get used to a brand new country, mm-hmm. learn how the country works, work, and you know, and still parent um, Taji all at the same time. Yeah. Not doing it. How about we revisit the other countries we've already been to? And that's what led us to Mexico. Mexico was the first country that we immediately felt comfortable on day one. Like we stepped into the country, like put our things down, went out and it was like, yeah, we like it here. We're cool. We, we, we can find our way around and it's, it's easy enough for us to live here. We always felt very drawn to Mexico. Mm, Mexico is special. Oh, I don't even know exactly what it is. Mexico, it's, Mexico is special because you can say, you know, the weather, the food, the people, the this, the mm. that, but there's just this like That's undercurrent cool. here yeah. Yeah. where it's like, I know I'm, I know I'm good. Yeah. 
which is why it's so nuts to me when people are like it's so dangerous it's so dangerous cartel this cartel and i'm like "Eh, have you been exactly have you been most people that say that happen most people that say that happen so yeah we we kept feeling this pull to come back to mexico and we'd already been twice by now um and mexico do give uh, birthright citizenship so it kind of made sense it was like we've been there a couple of times before we know our way around we had friends there mm. as well so it was like yeah mexico feels right let's let's go back to mexico so um and and we had one of our friends that we met on our way out of mexico last time had given birth mm. so we we also had someone we knew that had experience of giving birth abroad and had a positive experience. Yeah. That was that was it for me. That like was all done I needed. And yeah. dusted. Yeah. 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 That's lovely. I know. I um so when you made this decision, so your family's like, when are you coming back to have the baby here? And you're like, we're not gonna do that. You go through the process, you're like, okay, Mexico is it. What kind of, I guess, preparations what kind of things um do you need to have in place like how did you find like a care team you're comfortable with like all of that stuff because like you're a second time mom now Uh so you know how things work um but there are some first time moms that are maybe traveling or considering giving birth abroad like what does that look like in a foreign country setting everything up i mean like i said because we'd had a friend that had given birth um in mexico that immediately made us feel comfortable with Um, looking into the team that she used and here in Playa del Carmen you there's a plethora of of options of you know how you can birth your baby depending on what you want and and that's one of the reasons why I love Mexico um, is you can still have the birth that you want whether you want that to be a home and our intention was to have a home birth whether you want that to be a home birth, whether you want to have a hospital birth, a birth centre birth, all that exists here in, you know, plenty of places. And it doesn't have to be a public hospital. There are private hospitals. There are centres. Like, there's so many choices. And there's... What I love about Playa del Carmen in particular is the community that's here. It's so easy to reach out to people and just ask about, you know, people about their experiences. You know, if you want a doula anyone have any research all you have to do is ask Mm. and you'll find what you're looking for um and so you know thankfully we did have a friend here already who had um, you know had a great experience and so we we just went through the center that she used and um salut primal the birth seat center that we chose to use they offer exactly like i said you have all the options they will support you through whatever birth you want to have and I, I feel that's one of the reasons why I love the fact that we gave birth in Mexico is because I feel like in the UK it would have been like we're going to tell you what kind of birth you're going to mm, I was know? just about to ask we yeah. we were teeing up home births for Whitley and Xavier and I remember with Whitley I went to like the first doctor appointment like literally the first one like eight ten weeks mm-hmm. and they started you know hospital this doctor that and I was like oh you know we're actually gonna have her at home I had my first at home I feel comfortable it's gonna be chill and after I left the appointment they called me and they're basically like hey we can't see you anymore oh, wow. because 
we don't support home births. And I'm like, well, I never asked y'all to come into my home. Like I have a doula and a midwife who's yeah. literally like a nurse at Emory, which is like a big hospital. I'm like, I'm, I'm good on that. Like, I just kind of need y'all to, you know, I don't know, do the ultrasounds and stuff. And yeah. they're just like, yeah, we don't, we don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just like, because I'm high risk, because I want to have the baby at home, you're going to refuse me care. You're going to refuse to see me because I'm going to, ha- I don't know. It was a whole thing. You high risk because you wanted to have the baby. Out. Yeah. That it's like some sort of like liability risk. thing. So I'm high risk for them. Not yeah, that anything's going to happen to me. Exactly. I'm chilling. I've already even done this before. Like it's fine, but they're just like a liability. I don't know. It was so weird. Wow. And so then I'm like, okay, let me try to find someone else. And there were like maybe two other practices I called and they're like, yeah, we don't support home births. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm like, I never invited you into my home <laughs> for the birth. What? Like you can literally just put a doctor, a Doppler on my belly and like I can yeah, go about yeah, my business. And yeah. they're just like, no. And so after that, I was just like, okay, well, I literally have a midwife and a doula. I guess we'll just do this the old fashioned way. So I had like one doctor appointment with Whitley and that was it wow. for like the entirety of my pregnancy wow. because they made it difficult to go see a doctor. That's so, crazy. and that's part of why I ask, like with the UK, I know there are like a lot of parallels, but also a lot of differences, right. With how your um, medical system and things work. So yeah. looking at what prenatal care and all that kind of stuff looks like in the UK versus in Mexico, like how, what are the, the differences there? And then also the similarities. The biggest difference, um, I guess for us, like I said, it's the treatment. Um, in the UK, I feel like it's your, they would say advised. You know, you're basically told what kind of birth you're gonna have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's like, yeah, you could do this, or no, you can't do that. Uh, we we um, intended to have a birth center birth with Taji as well, that was a plan, and that was fine. Um, but it is literally like, you know, depending on the birth, how your previous birth was, is like, okay, so we're going to do this this time, mm-hmm. you know? Whereas I felt like here in Mexico, when we had our first midwife appointment, you know, she asked us to talk through our experience of our birth with Taji. And, you know, I thought that, that was kind of the first thing that I noticed is in the UK, there was kind of like no debrief mm. of, you know, how your birth experience went and maybe why it went that way and, yeah you know because we ended up it was a forceps birth in the end mm. and we didn't talk about it, it like that conversation with the midwife in mexico was the first time we'd actually spoken about why that happened why it got there and i assume that has to be emotional but also healing it was very it was so, it everything things made sense yeah it i finally made sense i have a friend that had a baby um in june her second baby. And with her fir- firstborn, it was a whole a spiral of interventions mm-hmm. that led to a C-section. Mm-hmm. And then with her second one, she's basically like, I'm going to take my power back. Yeah. And so she actually had the same midwife and doula team that I have. And we went to high school together and I love her so much and her baby's so cute. And anyway, um, but she wound up having this like beautiful, magical, like healing second birth experience. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, it's not even so much about what actually happened in the birth. It's the fact yeah, that like I was listened to exactly. and I felt heard yeah. and I felt empowered yeah. and I was able to step into like motherhood with my second in a completely different way than yeah. with the first. Yeah. And I hear that a lot about yeah. like out of institution births yeah. in like the US, the UK and Canada. And then also I've heard several things like 
about from from people who have given birth like in Mexico or in other yeah. countries where they're like, oh, you're a human. Exactly. Let me treat you like a human. Yeah. That that absolutely was the biggest difference is the fact that we had a midwife that genuinely cared about me. It wasn't just the baby as a statistic mm. and all the rest of it. It was like, well let's debrief from the first you know what can we learn from that first experience and what kind of birth do you want to have this time around it was like you know she literally just put all the power in my hands that's beautiful and it was like you know gonna be us you know gonna be honest yes birth can take you know a different direction than we plan um and we can talk about you know what else could happen and plan for that but ultimately i'm here to support you and your decision this is mm. your birth and she was very insistent on making that clear this is your birth and i'm just here to assist in any way that i can so the team so at Salud Primal were amazing um so that's the biggest difference i would say uh the next big, biggest difference was finances because of course in the uk we have the nhs uh which sometimes can be a bit of a mess but i'm of course very grateful for for the fact that you know we don't well you pay through you know your taxes and stuff but essentially you don't pay out of pocket for at all apart from maybe prescriptions um so yes this time round we had to pay that was a first we're Mm. gonna pay for tashi's birth so that was a new experience at all we have the NHS. We don't pay. I see. I know, but it's, a, it's one of those things where I feel like you say to like you you say these things to Americans, and mm-hmm. like in our head, it translates automatically to like deep discount nothing, or like very nothing. like little. There are, zero. there are threads of American mothers showing the hospital bills oh, that I've arrive seen it. after yeah, the like and it's like fifty to hold your baby. Literally, yeah. it'll be like, oh, immediate skin to skin, that's yeah, gonna be a thousand dollars, or like, no, oh, dad crazy. wants to do skin to skin, that's fifteen hundred. Well, I can't like, even. You imagine. want the baby to sleep in your room versus the nursery? It's gonna be like three hundred dollars, and I'm just like, oh my god, because I didn't have that experience with either. So like, yeah, it's it's odd to me. Like it we is. did have to pay out of pocket for you know doula and midwifery services yeah. for both of them, yeah. but I see the bills that come from like hospital births, yeah. and I'm just like, yeah they didn't give y'all a coupon when you left like there's not you just it's just i don't know i'm sorry that part's always just wild to me though because on the one hand it's like they're paying so much but on the other hand it's like you're paying nothing like both of those just seem like super wild into the spectrum so so i guess it was yeah the opposite for us in that we we didn't have to pay anything for tashi's birth and now for ramal we got to pay for everything so that was very very <laughs> shock. it was it was a bit of a shock i mean but at the same time you know we we've had experience with needing to use a hospital before so hmm. we're not new to paying out for healthcare services so it was a bit of a shock but not too much you know my friends that was i think the biggest shock to like our friends and family they were like wait you're gonna pay to give birth <laughs> why would you do that (laughs) you know when you have the option of doing it for free in the uk but like i was trying to explain to them like when when we pay our tax okay the nhs is not free we say it's free right it is not free we have 
our national insurance, that is how we pay for our healthcare service. Mm. Uh, when you're salaried, whether you're self-employed, depending on how much you earn, it's a percentage mm. of how much you earn. Of course, it's that way so that those who earn the least can still take advantage of full services without having to pay extra. However, you hear that, America? <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> However, we still pay. And I, like, I was, one of, my, one of my friends asked, she was like, oh, that must have been really hard. But I'm like, but based on, and I, I literally did the calculation, I'm like, based on how much I was earning when I was working in education in the UK, how much I paid in national insurance was the equivalent to what? Literally, it was basically about the same amount oh, wow. as what I paid to give birth to a mom. Yeah. Like, it was about, yeah, it was about three and a half thousand pounds ish three and a half four thousand pounds almost and that's not even i'm trying to remember how much it was with our kids i think even our midwifery 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 i think even for the midwife and the doula both back in the states it was i think it was somewhere between like four and like fifty five hundred dollars i've had a lot of maybe four to like six k somewhere around there americans have said it's still the same as their out-of-pocket expenses. Yeah, because by the time you have, if you have a copay, like every time you go to the doctor's office or something, you have to pay for the, the specialized tests and yeah. stuff, like it adds up. So that was for everything, hmm. like for the whole experience. We do have emergency healthcare insurance or emergency insurance, um, but that doesn't cover giving birth or pregnancy right. at all. So we did pay completely out-of-pocket, and yeah, it was about three and a half, thousand pounds ish so yeah about five just like not bad at all mm-hmm. but everything i had in mexico i had two or three um two ultrasounds maybe and probably about five four to five midwife appointments mm. as well and then um we paid for the birth center birth so i did all the work at the birth center um got to push in stage and then decided I needed to have a C-section. So we also did have to pay for a C-section birth as well. Mm. So it was more expensive than we expected yeah. because of that reason. Um, but yeah, it was it was even just like having this, just, just going through like transitioning from the birth center to the C-section. Um, I, I, I felt that this wasn't going to be an actual birth. Something didn't feel right mm. about the pro- the um, experience that I was having at the birth centre. And so, much to the surprise of my team, um, because they felt like I was there and ready to give birth mm. right there in the centre, I was like, no, we need to go to the hospital right now. Right now, I'm done. This isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, and it was a good thing, because when we got to the hospital, um, I didn't find this out, again, until we had a bit of a debrief. Um, with the midwife after and she said when we got to the hospital that Amal's heart rate was dropping Mm. and that we actually got there right in time because if it had been left any longer then things could have taken a very different turn Um, it turns out that I had a fibroid which wasn't picked up in my ultrasounds at all that was preventing Amal from descending down the canal so a a natural birth would not have been possible and um somehow i knew that it wasn't gonna happen listen to your body i listened and you had that space to listen to your body which is incredible yeah And, and even like my midwife said she was like i've never had an experience like that she was like 
we've never had a mother that's like like she's like usually if intervention is needed it's because they can see something has changed yeah and they would usually say look i think we need to you know go to the hospital but she was like this is the first time that a mother has said no i'm not doing this anymore we need to go to the hospital and she was like it's like the first time that she's actually seen like a mother actually make that decision and was fully right in make, making that decision mm. to change. So even though I had a C-section birth, which was completely not what I wanted, it ended up being the perfect decision for yeah. our situation because, like I said, it could have been a completely different scenario otherwise. And again, that like it just goes back to being in, you know, I I, cause I guess. In terms of my physical, I presented as a completely healthy, normal, you know, birthing person and there would be no need for a C-section. Right. You know, and I wonder what that could have looked like in the UK, Mm. you know, getting to that stage. Um, Because I think when I, I actually, it's interesting, we talked about uh, these, these dramatic stories. When I was birthing Taji, same thing happened. I felt like I couldn't push hmm. and I, I was saying to the midwives I feel like I need a c-section they were like yeah that's not an option it's what yeah they were like no they just said no we can't do that no <laughs> and I was like no I need and actually um and that's why I was saying this whole debrief thing was really empowering hmm. because it turned out again it was this fibroid that was stopping Tashi from descending as well. So we didn't do an emergency C-section with her, but it was essentially the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so so that's kind of another thing that was just very, very different, is just not being told and actually being listened to. That's incredible. It was very... I I remember getting very, very emotional. I I didn't know that Amal's heart rate drop was dropping Mm -hmm. um, until after the midwife told us afterwards. So it was very, very empowering knowing that I was able to listen to my body and my team around me supported me in that decision. Such magic. Such magic. I'm such... I I have these kids now, and now I'm just like, I'm just a birth advocate. And people are like, (laughs) what does that even mean? And I'm like, I don't know. I just want people to have good experiences. And so I'm so... I'm always fascinated about what that looks like different places and Mm -hmm. for different people who have, like, different babies. Because it is one of those things that, like, we have to think about. Especially if you're someone... Even if you don't, don't, like, know for sure if you want to have kids Mm -hmm. or maybe you're pregnant for that first time, there's so much fear surrounding that whole experience. Even the way that it's shown in movies and and TV where people are screaming and crying, I hate you, you know? And it's, like, a whole thing, and it's just, like that's what you've been shown but like what do you want it to be yeah and i think that like highlighting the fact that like there are options and again like the u.s like our like maternal you know mortality rates and especially for black Mm -hmm. women especially for black women like in the south where i'm Mm -hmm. from like it's such a problem yeah and i think it's one of those things too where it's like other options are out there exactly like for lifestyles for birthing for even finding partners for like the single folks that can't you know get it to go for all kinds of stuff like you've just you've got to look yeah you know you've got to want it and be open to it and be open to it i think being open is has been 
one of the biggest life lessons um, of our entire journey is mm. there is so much possibility that you can even comprehend right now. I remember, um, I, like I said, I make spreadsheets now and I had someone, my, my spreadsheet income is passive, mostly passive. And I had someone um, say she loves my spreadsheet. She wanted one to be customized for her business. Mm. Generally, I don't do customizations. Like I said, it's a passive income for me. So I'm like, eh, I don't want to create anything extra. Right. Like, I just sit back and the money comes. And, and, but not because I didn't necessarily want to do it, but more because I was like, do you know how much I'm going to have to quote you to like mm. personalize this for you, you know? And I was like, I, I just, I remember saying to AJ, like, I don't even think I'm going to message her back because the amount of money that I'd have to charge her to do it. And I, I think I said something like that in my reply, like, not, you know, not to be funny, but it's gonna, you know, run into several hundreds. Most people only spend like 10, 20 pounds mm. on a spreadsheet for me. And I'm like, this is going to be potentially five, 600 pounds. I don't know, you know, and, and that's before I know exactly what you need. Um, and then she was like, try me. Oh. Yeah, she was like, whatever it is, this is what I want, and I know I want you to do it for me. Mm. And I was like, wait, I didn't know that people would spend, like, almost a £1,000 on a spreadsheet. Wow, yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. just, just, I was like, let's just be open to the idea. And she was, and actually, I just did another spreadsheet for her last weekend. Um, I've now opened another avenue I didn't even know was possible. Right. I love that. I know people talk about whether you're like an expat or you travel nomadically or whatever, people that travel have this notion of like how good it is for you and not just vacation, which is fine too. We love a good resort, but like travel, travel, mm -hmm. right? Like immersion, being out here in the streets with the people trying and yeah. things. And there's this notion of like, you know, how it just broadens perspectives. It, yeah, it opens exactly. doors. It like if you are in a receptive posture while you're yeah. somewhere new, yeah. you will see and experience yeah. and hear and become, yeah. you know, integrated with so many different things that maybe weren't possibilities before exactly. or you just never would have thought of. And I think like in traveling nomadically and particularly raising kids mm -hmm. this way, I'm so excited to see like the kinds of doors that are open in their brain yeah. that oh, yeah. I, even with yeah. my, you know, big woo spiritual brain that I wouldn't have even considered. Yeah. I think exactly. that's one of the like larger gifts yeah. that this kind of lifestyle affords I them is just it. the capacity to be open to stuff. I love it. You know, I a hundred percent agree. It's the same for us as well. Taji is near fluent in Spanish now. Like, I hear her talking to her friends. I can't even participate in those conversations. <laughs> I cannot. Sometimes she says things to me and I'm like, in English, please. <laughs> it's scary now. She can actually, like, curse me out if she wants and I would not. <laughs> I would have no idea. I would have no idea. She is pretty much fluent now. Like, just rapid conversations in Spanish like we were saying this the other day we're like she now you know once she is of age if she chooses to work or you know chooses to do business she can do that in two languages now yeah the world you know, is so open for her if you have a hundred options a hundred has now become 200 options for her because she can do it in two languages 
Same with Amal. He he has two passports now. You know, he has the option. Oh, Taji too. You know, she has permanent residency here as well. Mm. She can live in Mexico. She can live in the UK if she wants to. Double the amount of options than, you know, we would have originally said was available. You know, just, it just, I just love that it just opens, like you said, it opens doors, the possibilities. Mm. And this is us just getting started. Yeah. Y'all have made their worlds so big. So, You've I made them so. so big. And it's incredible. It really, really <laughs> is. And I know, like, we're getting to the point where all of this sort of, like, just feels like life to mm-hmm. us. And mm-hmm. so I imagine that can happen to y'all, too. But, like, truly, like, it's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, how big you've made their world. And, like, yeah. how bright you've made their future. It's, like, the options. And I said to Justin the other day, I'm like, even if they, you know or Whitley, they grow up and they decide they don't want to do anything else but, like, sell ice cream on a beach and just have, like, a slow, peaceful life. Yeah. The fact that we were able to give them that option, especially when there are so many people. I know the U.S. is like this, the U.K. is like this, like, so many countries where it's, like, that rat race, right? From the time kids are very little, it's just, like, you know, you go to school, you get good grades, you go to college, you get a job, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do that, and now... They wound up in a box because their world was exactly. made small. There was only that one trajectory. Yeah. Exactly. It's amazing being able to raise kids where it's like multiple countries, multiple languages, all these yeah. experiences. They can do what they want and go yeah. all these places and learn all these skills and sports and hobbies and like, yeah. ugh. Like, and, and just to be able to think for themselves and make that decision. Yeah. You know, Taji, um, she goes to school part-time and... Just for her to wake up and be like, I don't want to go to school today. <laughs> Which she does do from time to time. She yeah. decides, she loves her family. She's like, I want to stay with my family. I don't want to go to oh. school. That was never an option for us. No. I don't want to go to school. It's like, what, what? is your temperature? <laughs> do you need to go to the doctor? Like, yeah. If I didn't want to go to school, I would have to lie and say I'm sick. Tali doesn't have to lie. Mm. Like, she just said, I don't want to go to school. Okay. All right, well, I guess we're not going to school today. What do mm. you want to do instead? That, like, just to be able to have that conversation. Yeah. You know, that was never an option for us as children. Um, I just, I, I love that now we're empowering her to think for herself. Mm. And she doesn't have to do anything to please us. Because it's not about us. You know, what does she want to do? And we're just here to assist her in her journey yeah. and, you know, support her in that way. And, and I love that. I love that for her. As and well. having I've created a life where she can say, I don't want to go to school today. I can hang out with y'all. And, and, and y'all and have the freedom yes. 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 to yes. actually hang out instead of like, well, you have to because I have to work. That's the other or thing. you can, but you're going to have to be sat in front of the TV all That's day because I thing. have to go do this or do that. Like it's. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's the other thing. And is, you know, like you said, just the fact that we can support that as Mm -hmm. well. And as a minimum, she'll always have one parent at least (laughs) that like, you know, we do have to work. We do, we do still have active income. Um, but at least one of us can be with her all the time. She can be with her brother all the time, which she wants to be, (laughs) you know, um, yeah, the fact that's that that's even an option. Our parents, you know, my my mum's a singer. 
she was away a lot mm. a lot you know it t not going to work would mean not earning money you know and that wasn't an option and Taji doesn't have to think about that so it's awesome yeah it's I'm I'm I feel very grateful that we can we can gift that to her to them to yeah them. yeah that's beautiful I know there's a lot of that's another thing that I think we get a lot is people do the thing where they're like, but what about the kids? Mm -hmm. They're like, you want to go traveling and gallivanting. You want to go to these dangerous cartel places, but <laughs> what about the kids? And I'm literally like, look at the kids. Yeah. Like the kids are thriving. Yeah. The kids exactly. are flourishing. The yeah. kids are happy and healthy running around, learning new languages yeah. and trying new foods and having experiences that exactly. a lot of people don't get till they're in their you know 30s or yeah. like 40s like the kids yeah. are good i exactly. promise like right. the kids are okay right. but i think i don't know i guess that does beg the question though like what is the adjustment period like so i know y'all y'all have been sat in playa for just like a year and a half yeah. coming up on two years mm -hmm. now and so Prior to that, it was just the three of you. There was no mall yet, which I'm sure is like super wild because I think about like a time before Whitley and I'm like, what time before right. Whitley? But um, when you are in a state of like moving, especially that like faster motion where you have like that you know, two, three months somewhere, what does the adjustment period for her look like? Um, it depends, I guess. Um, I would say it depends on the time zone, especially. Mm. Um, you know, when we're sticking kind of within a time zone, if we were like within Europe, we were within Asia, we're not changing time zone. So, you know, especially when they're that young, you're thinking about kind of naps and, mm. you know, kind of sleeping patterns. And that can be heavily disrupted if you're having to move time zone. So if, if we're moving, you know, from Europe to Asia, you could be five, six hours difference. That's quite significant mm. for a two or three year old. Um, and so that that would be an adjustment. And that could, we, we used to say, I think that it would take us three weeks mm. to settle. Yeah. And, you know, kind of in terms of to get the sleeping patterns back into a routine to get ourselves familiar with the surroundings this is where we're going to go shopping this is how much it costs roughly you know to eat out three weeks was kind of the average time we would we would take to settle into um into an environment i would say um, but like i said i mostly it would depend on if we were remaining in the same time zone or if we were having to change time zones yeah those time zone switches are rough where we went to spain and that's six hours off from mm -hmm. the east coast mm -hmm. yeah. and oh no this is when we were in guadalajara so that was like seven hours i think maybe eight hours depending wow. on like the time of the year and yeah. stuff but anyway we got the seats where you can lay flat and i was like okay if we leave and then the kids just sleep the whole way and i had the whole plan Xavier is a Virgo and he <laughs> tends to be, <laughs> he can get like wired in a special kind of way. And so he woke up like mid flight and was awake the whole time we were there. I hardly slept on the flight. Wow. And so then we landed in Spain 
and he and I are both just like hype beasts for no yeah. reason. So we're just like, we're jet lag proof. And we're like running around the airport <laughs> and jumping off of stuff and doing like parkour in the streets of Madrid. <laughs> and then I think we went to bed like a little early, like 6 p.m. local time that night. And we slept into like yeah. 3 p.m. the next day yeah. and woke up like, oh, we're not as jet lag proof as we thought we were. But yeah, those first couple of days with time zone shifts are rough. And then I think even we've been here for a few weeks now and like you said like about that like three week mark like depending on what's going on it does take time because yeah. i think we just even picked like our favorite like grocery store within right. walking distance and yeah. so we're like okay pattern routine structure yeah. Yeah. these yeah. sorts of things and i think yeah. now at this point when we're out you know zay is like are we you know going home now mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah and you know what i think i struggle with that a bit i on think i struggle home. yeah mm -hmm. that whole thing around like do I want to tell him this is home or cause, yeah. and for context, so Xavier will be four next month. And we've been doing this for like just over a year now. So since he was three, so like he gets that, like we travel around yeah. and we're on airplanes yeah. and sometimes we're here and sometimes we're there, but lately he's been like, are we going to live here? Aww. And I'm kind of like, yeah, baby, we're going to live here for another couple months. And then we're going to go here. And then there, and then we'll see, like, where do you want to live? You know, and try to stay curious with yeah. it. Like, where do you want to live? Like, do you yeah. like it here? Like, where'd you like, yeah. you know? And I don't know, but I think that's the thing. Now that he's kind of like a kid and not like a toddler. Because mm -hmm. when we started, right, yeah. he was two. Right. He was still a toddler, you know, and baby, or Whitley, she was 10 weeks. She doesn't know what's going on, you know? Yeah. So she's just now starting to kind of like, oh, we're in different places. But I think that notion of like home is something that we've been talking more about lately. And even Justin and I amongst ourselves, like yeah. how are we gonna kind of, you know, present this to him? And you can say something, oh, home is wherever the people you care about are. And like, yeah. there's truth to that. Yeah. But I think for his like four-year-old brain, it's yeah. like yeah. definitely a building. So <laughs> I don't know, how, how do you, cause Taji is, is she six yet? She just, she turned, six. She just yeah. turned six. So how does she kind of, how do those notions present for her? I think she still has a traveler's heart. Hmm. She was nine months old when we left the UK. Oh. So moving around is all she's ever known. Where did she take her first steps? What <laughs> London. London? Back in London. We oh. were back in London. She waited to come back. <laughs> we were back in London. We were in Spain trying to get her and she'd take like, you know, she'd, she wouldn't quite let go. Yeah. But... When she actually walked, yeah. we were in London. Uh, yeah. That's funny. She walked to my sister. Well, she was walking to her dad. Um, my sister was singing to her <laughs> to encourage her to walk. That's so sweet. Back in London. That's yeah. funny. And I know <laughs> we was. had bets out on Whitley's first steps because when she got around that age, I think we we were in like, it was like Mexico, Colombia, Brazil, and the US all within the course of like just a few months. Yeah. And so we were kind of like, where is it going to be? Where yeah, is it going to yeah, be? Where is it going to yeah. be? She chose Brazil. And uh, I was like, oh, I was thinking nice. it was going to be cool, it. but yeah. Um, but yeah, she's, um, it's all she's known is, you know, moving around. And even within Mexico here, you know, now, this time round, we're in our third accommodation in the last year and a half. Mm. Um, and so she still does this. When we go to our next place, I want this. Ah. Yeah, I want, can we make sure there's a swimming pool? Can we make sure there's a playground? <laughs> you know, when we go, so, so a lot of the time she talks in, she talks in the future present, in mm. the, we're going to move again. Like, I don't think she has 
the idea that we're settled. It's like a yeah. given for her. Mm-hmm. We're gonna mm. we're gearing up to move. We're always gearing up to go somewhere. Still for her, even though we've been in Mexico um, for a year and a half now, but we've lived in different parts of Playa del Carmen, mm. and so the longest like I said before, the longest time we spent in Mexico was about nine or ten months. Um, that was when we did the border run. Uh, <laughs> and um, that place is considered real Mexico to Taji. Hmm. Because that was the longest time that we'd spent there. That's funny. Zay does something like that with oh, Guadalajara. Really? Yeah. Uh, where, like, he'll, ta- he'll almost talk about, like, Mexico and, like, Guadalajara. Like, they're yeah, different yeah, places. Yeah, yeah, Taji Because does that. to him, he's like, yeah, my school back in Guadalajara. Yeah. And I'm like... He's like, are we in Mexico or are we going to go to Guadalajara? Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, baby, it's all... Like, I, I show him a map, I'm like, baby, it's all the same. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yep. You know, but he has this concept that that's, like, some special place, yeah, yeah. right? That's, like, yeah, set apart yeah. from the rest of the country. Exactly. I guess depending on what experiences they had in that place. Mm-hmm. But so she does that. She, you know, she says... And we, we still visit that neighborhood sometimes when we were there. And she's Aww. like, oh, we're in real Mexico now. <laughs> so that definitely happens from time to time but yes i think she's still in traveler mode Mm. she still expects that we're going to get up and move somewhere um somewhere else and we we i don't we haven't really said to her you know we're gonna stay here this is the base for now Mm. and i guess we haven't officially had that conversation with her um to know if we really had the conversation with ourselves to be honest but, yeah um you know i i think because we never know we right. never, you know even going back to london like i said we're going back to london next week and we even kind of briefly toyed with the idea you know what do we think about going back to london is that on the cards would we consider doing that mm. um you know we never really know yeah we never really know so we have an idea of what we like but I think like I said because we're just so open to the fact that at any moment things can change Mm. you know we've had health AJ was in hospital at the end of 2020 things can always change we know that you know nothing nothing is guaranteed Mm. and we'll now we just really try to remain as present as possible and so it's very hard to define settled and you know being in one place that we kind of just don't too much we have an idea of what we would like but nothing is concrete and we're okay with that it doesn't Mm. have to be yeah that's very true i think we're in the same place i think we we do this thing where it's like okay do we want to like settle somewhere are we just gonna like travel forever like what about like school for the kids like do we want to like buy property anywhere or is it fine to like rent have the flex Mm -hmm. and we do this all the time and people ask us all the time and I think it's just a thing of like I don't have good answers for y'all like (laughs) we're just vibing you know like we're just vibing I I can keep you updated along the way but like I'm not gonna make any promises that I'm gonna be here or be there for a set period of time like we're just you know, yeah, we we're just doing that. what we do. Yeah, people always ask. We get, uh, we've had friends asking, you know, about coming to visiting, coming to visit, and I've been like, I mean, you know, they're like, are you gonna be here in November? I'm like, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Like, look at your own risk. Like, I don't I know. know. <laughs> like, we think so, yeah. but just know that we may not be. Like, yeah. I expect we will be, but 
we'll see. Like, I don't, I don't want to promise anything right. anymore. Uh, we can't. You literally cannot promise the future. You do not know what is going to happen Can't in the future. Anything beyond this current moment is an unknown. It is. It is. Everything. And I think we've seen a lot. I think in the past, like, it's been somewhere around, like, all year. But I think we've experienced this over and over and over again where we try to arrange our Ugh. plans Imagine. because of outside things. Pressures. Right? Yep. And something always is just off kilter about it or something yeah. goes wrong. Or, oh my God, I have this horror story. I'll tell you this after. We, we got stranded in Cancun for like a week and a half last year because of OVO Fest up in Canada. We were up there for like Caravan and we were going to go see Drake. They wound up canceling. Anyway, it's a whole thing. But the moral of the story is we rearranged our plans because yeah. of something external and it wound up just being this whole shit show. Yeah. And, like, that's happened almost consistently every single time we've rearranged what we were going to do anyway yeah. for some outside stuff. Wow. And then the outside stuff doesn't unfold the way that we anticipated. And it's just kind of like, yeah. well, so I said to Justin, I think just the other day we were talking about, we were like, this is the last time. <laughs> Never doing this again. Everything else, like, external yeah. is just going to have yeah. to, like, catch up to where yeah. we are absolutely. or not. Absolutely, absolutely. Even... Um, we were talking about coming back to London and my cu my cousin's getting married. Um, and because this is the last time, last time we were in London, two years ago, we said, don't, don't expect us to come back to London. We don't know if we will do, we don't know when we will do. Mm -hmm. And you know, my cousin planned to get married and he's like, cause he was a groomsman for our, our wedding. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I'm, I'm making an assumption. I think he had the idea that he would like, you know, he would have liked me to be a part of his, um, or his wife's bridal party. Um, and he's like, you know, are you going to come? And I'm like, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't so, know. You know I, I literally said to him, I'm like, plan as if we're not going to be there. And you're a Libra too, aren't you? I am. You're a Libra. Yeah. Justin and I are both Libras. And I think yeah. that makes it, it exacerbates it even more <laughs> because it's not just that it's like indecisiveness though. It's like, no, it's, it's this desire that. for freedom. Yeah, exactly. But I think it winds up looking like we're indecisive we're just like yeah, don't know yeah. not sure i can't decide yeah, and it's I'm not, not that not it's just to be like that. i yeah, need exactly. to be able to move how yeah. i feel called to exactly. move and i exactly. don't want you putting expectations don't hold, yeah, don't hold on what i'm it. doing that's exactly it so, like it'll be real serendipitous if it works out that way yeah, exactly. but like you know exactly. let it be a fun surprise exactly and we've done that we've just popped up and it's like oh you're here like we, we did that for my husband's best friend's wedding as well we didn't know we were going to be back and then it turned out we were going to be back but we didn't want to say that we mm -hmm. could be back until we knew for sure yeah you know um i don't like the idea of now you know i don't know sometimes it feels like do i have commitment issues <laughs> <laughs> i'm clearly not i've been married for like 10 years almost you know so clearly not but sometimes I do have to question myself. I'm like, do I have commitment issues? I feel like I find it very difficult to say yes to things now. Yeah. But like you said, not because like I'm trying to be indecisive or anything. Like none of us know what is going to happen. Like it doesn't make sense to place so much pressure on ourselves to be in certain places, to be a particular type of person when we don't know what it's going. We just don't know what it's going to look like. Right. So. I would rather, like you said, just let it be a fortunate, you know, happenstance 
if it turns out that way. Mm-hmm. No, I feel that. I feel it deeply, all of it. I also have a thing where I want to be everywhere. Oh, I think I who I is that. someone is somewhere. Someone, I think one of my friends is in Jamaica right now. And I was uh, talking to her on Instagram. I'm like, I'm so jealous. And she's like, you're literally at the beach in Mexico. And I'm <laughs> like, I that. know, but I want to, <laughs> but I want to be where you are too. I've done I want, that. Bo- I want both things. Right? People, they're nuts. They're like, yeah, I'm planning a trip to Italy. I'm like, oh. And they're just like, what, Courtney? I think that even happened. I I was in Amsterdam. Someone else was like in Switzerland. I'm like, oh, I wish I You know, and so everyone's sick of me at this point because they're just like, it's nowhere good enough for you. And I'm like, it's not that. It's just like, there's all these possibilities and opportunities. I'm hungry to experience everything. But isn't it that amazing? And I think that's one of the things that still really excites me about this journey is, you know, when people do ask me, the question where are you going next and you know what what are you about to get into and I say I don't know it's I love it because then I'll go on Skyscanner and I'm like (laughs) where could we go Hmm, what are the possibilities what if we did move to this place you know um it means I'm not closed off to anything anymore and nothing I I still get a little bit scared I still have the feeling of you know being scared and fear but I'm open to the possibility of something new all the time. I'm happy for change. I, I, I can absolutely walk towards it. Whereas before I feel like it would have, I would have avoided, you know, certain things because what if it fails? What if it all goes wrong? Mm. You know, but now that we've taken this leap, things have gone wrong and, you know, we have failed along the way, but I know now that, it always, always, always works out. Yeah. You know? I love that. I think that's, there are so many ways in which traveling like this has changed me and just stretched me and grown me, which did not always feel good. But I even remember before we left, there was the whole, um, you know, purging process, mm-hmm. right? We had to get rid of all our stuff and there's this need to go in a storage unit or, you know, donation and sell the house and all that. And yeah. I was pulling out clothes, like shirts that I'd had since middle school. Oh, wow. At my big age. (laughs) At my big age. I'm like, wow, I vividly remember wearing this in eighth grade. And it's like, why do I still have it? Like, I I was so Mm -hmm. attached. Mm -hmm. There was so much I held on to. And I Mm -hmm. think that like manifested very much in the physical right like i bought this pair of shoes because i thought it would be cute and now it's been five years and i've never worn the shoes why are they still in the closet but also i think there's just certain things like psychologically and emotionally where it was the same thing there were like whole versions of myself and like things that i thought were like preferences that i had and like Mm -hmm. all sorts of stuff that now that we've been out and i'm just so much more open as a person i've had to let go of so much And it's that process too. There's like a a really beautiful sort of just pruning and shedding that I think happens when you travel and you just move and you feel that freedom. Yeah. And I'm absolutely, I'm I'm addicted to it now. That's probably part of why I'm just like, I've got to increase the level of chaos, like more travel, more play, more flights, more, you know, new languages and stuff. And I don't know. But I think it's a lot of fun. And other people don't. It. They're like, you're super chaotic. This is like really <laughs> wild, what you're doing. I know. Yeah, people do that. They're like, how can you not know? Even, you know, before we fully committed to deciding on Mexico to give birth, people were like, 
how do you not know where you're giving birth? Like, <laughs> you're literally about to like push out a baby in like a few months. Because we didn't move till mm, we hit Mexico, I want to say in end of January, February. So it was mm. literally like three and a half, just under four months before Omar was born. And he was like, why, why are you not in the place where you're going to give birth? What, what do you mean? Like, you know, because obviously, you know, in the UK, you're only allowed to travel up until certain, you know, a certain amount of weeks. And it's like, aren't you pushing this a bit? Like, are you sure you're going to be able to, like, huh? Like, people just cannot comprehend that you can just live so freely. Yeah. And, you know, without, without knowing what's in this level, we all do it every day just unconsciously yeah they're just doing it consciously right most of what you're doing you're not you're not making all the little itty bitty decisions Mm -hmm. even the small things every time you you know brush your nose or like flick your hair or like the route that you take even while you're walking or driving like you don't you're not actually you know you're vibing so let me vibe consciously if we vibe unconsciously let me just vibe consciously i even think like i we were in um we went to Europe when I was, like, super pregnant with Whitley. I was, like, 34, 35 weeks pregnant when we, like, took off. And then I was, like, two weeks more pregnant when we came back. And I remember people looking like, you can't just do... What if what if she's born over there was, like, the big thing? And I'm like, then I'll push her out over there. <laughs> like, what do you mean? But it's always some sort of what if, yeah. right? Like, what yeah. if you're pickpocketed in Paris yeah. like well that's unfortunate I'll try to prevent it I'll deal with it if yeah, it happens you know, yeah, exactly. what if you get here and you can't find somewhere to stay what if you know and it's just like why would I live in that state of like you know just fear and panic yeah, and like all of this anxiety. when I can just plan as best yeah, as I can yeah and vibe that is it. like why not do I don't know it's a lot but I, I do think like when you live a lifestyle like this, where you're constantly moving, traveling, growing, adapting, like there just are certain parts of you that are strengthened and developed oh, yeah. and heightened. Yeah, you have to be. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so fortunate for that. Yeah. Cut. All right. And now we are joined by my children <laughs> for the last little bit of this. But so I guess to sort of put a bow on this, if you had to say something to people who either have kids or are considering having kids that want to travel more, whether that's nomadically or expat life, what would you say to them? How does, how does someone make a dream like that into a reality? You just have to do it. Me, me, me. I know. <laughs> have to do it. Um, like I said, like... For me, now, there is no future. We are living in the everlasting now. Mm. And all we have is this moment right here. The worst thing, you know, when I I often think about regrets and, you know, getting to old age, the worst thing for people, if you want to know what I fear most, I fear living a life of regret. Not the things that I've done, but the things that I didn't do. And if you have a deep desire to live a lifestyle like this, to travel, to move abroad, you need to just move towards it because it's not going to go away. And all you have is this moment right here. If it's on your heart to do it, it must be for a reason and I think it's 
our job to listen to that, lean into that. Um, the internet is your friend. YouTube <laughs> is your friend. We're here. Then, you know. And you've created all of these incredible <laughs> resources, which I can't wait to get my hands on. But you've compiled a, a manual right for people so that they don't have to do this multi-tab multi-browser search for this sort of thing there's so many more of us doing so 